I want to welcome you guys. Thanks so much for coming up. What I, what I told you guys, today's message is you and your kids. And I want you to take a look up here on the stage. Because these guys and these girls right here, this is your future. Okay? These guys and these girls, God's going to use them to do amazing things. But they need your help. They need your prayers. They need your sacrifice. They need your work. They need your attention. They need your discipline. They need your instruction. They need God. They need to see you worshiping and loving and being disciplined by God and being used by God even in their lives right here. So what I wanted to do, I told them, I said, look, you guys come up and, and uh, let, me, let me pray for you. Let us pray for them. So if you would, this morning what I want to do is you can't, you can't underestimate and you can't put aside or you can't pay too little attention to these guys because this, these guys really are our future. And, and what I don't mean is just this is the next businesswoman or this is the next businessman. That's not what I'm saying. This is the revival that we need. These guys are the passion that we need. These guys right here are the change and, and the renewal that we need. But it starts at home with you. And so what I want to do, I told him, I said, you guys come up and uh, let us pray for you. So if you would, where you stand or where you sit, go ahead and stand up and reach out your hand forward. And I'm going to call you out of your comfort zone a little bit. I want you to reach out your hand forward. And what we're going to do is I want you to pray along with me as I pray for these guys because they need spiritual intervention because the world is after them. The world is going to attack them. It's going to tempt them. It's going to pull them away. And a lot of the times you are the only thing that stands in the way. You being used by God to prevent that and to reach into these kids' lives and to show them that it's about Jesus. It's not even about me. It's not about you. So as you reach out your hand, I want you to pray for these guys as I pray for them too. And guys, I want y'all to know we love you. And look at your mom and dad out there. They ain't comfortable holding up their hand. And some of them already going, man, my, my hand's tired. But look, they got their hands up. Look at them. Don't they look, don't they look kind of funny? Huh? <laughs> But they love you, okay? And they're going to pray for you right now. And I'm going to pray for you too. And I want you to know I love you and the well loves you. And we're not going to do everything perfect. But you've got my word that we're going to try. We're going to try to make it as, it's all about Jesus. But we're going to try to put as much effort and energy into you as we do anything else around here. Because you are worth it. And I think you're worth it. And I love you. And I'm, I'm proud of you. And I know that you've got a ton of potential that's not even been tapped into yet. And we want you to reach your full potential in Jesus Christ. Let's pray for these guys. Lord, I thank you for these youth that's here, these students, God, that have come up and been bold, and they stretch all the way across this stage. And I feel the power of your Holy Spirit moving right now as we stretch out our hands toward these guys and these girls. And I pray, God, that you would spiritually intervene in their lives, that you would just overwhelm them, that right now that you would break down walls that keep them from seeing you, God, that you would break the chains that bind them, that you would sing to them, that you would, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would open up their eyes, that you would show them that you are the most worthy, the most magnificent, the most desirable thing that they could possibly imagine. And if they would only go after you and seek you first and lean on you and not lean on their own understanding, that you would create for them a life that is, that is worth living, God. And it might not always be peaches and cream, but God, that you would create for them a foundation that's real, that's never-ending, and that's continually progressing in life, and that they would actually be able to live and not just wait till the end. God, please overwhelm them with your spirit. Keep them, hold them, save them right now. And those that are already saved, God, I pray that you would help them to seek you and to see you in the face of their parents. And so that lands on us out here, God. I pray that you would overwhelm our hearts so that we would be able to show them 
your face, that we would be able to love them like you loved us, that we would be able to show them the face of God that they might desire him. I pray it with all of my friends and all of my fellow brothers and sisters and my fellow parents out here. God, we stretch our arms toward these students and pray for a miracle, God, that you would save them, that you would keep them, that you would make them warriors in Jesus' name. Amen. Give these guys a hand. All right, go ahead, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you for coming up. We love y'all. That's a crowd up here. Make sure you come back tonight. And on that announcement, I know Wesley announced tonight the Big C Tour, but that's a little bit of a change because we were going to be at um, Breakthrough, but now we're going to be here. We're going to just leave everything set up. We're going to rock out, jam out, um, Jesus glorifying tonight, and we're going to have a message here. So, um, guys, if you got friends, bring them back, and uh, let's get down here tonight at 6.30, okay? Here tonight at 6.30. The message that I have for you today, <clears throat> like I've already told you, is entitled, um, You and Your Kids. And I've got um, several points I want to share with you, so we need to go ahead and get into the text. Um, uh, and Because and, I've got some stuff I want to show you, because what we need to understand is, is that you and your kids is not something that you can just expect to take care of itself. It doesn't work that way. We need to be intentionally going after our kids' hearts continually all the time. Because if not, what happens is there's so many things in our lives that we have to be concerned with, that we have to be thinking about, that we can really, really quickly forget about our kids and just do the bare minimum of just making sure that they don't die. <laughs> okay? And we can just focus on ourselves, and by the time that we know it, they're already graduating high school, and we think, what in the world happened? And so what I want to do today is I want to pull some principles from God's Word, and I want to plead with you, basically, is what I want to do, to slow down, to think about what you're doing, and to intentionally engage your kids. And I'm going to speak to all those students that go back out, they're good, because I got some stuff I want to share with you, too, because this is falling on you, too, especially if you're a student or a youth or a child that has already accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You have an obligation, too, okay? And so we're going to get into all of that. Before I do, I want to pray, okay? God, I thank you for this time that we can share together. Lord, I thank you that it's not about how good the band is or how good I am or how many people are out there or, or how good the greeter team did. It's about you. And God, we're going to fall, we're going to fail, we're going we're to be fleeting in mind, and we're going to not pay attention. But God, I, I pray that you would grab us this morning, that you would pour your spirit into us this morning, that we would wake up, that we would have an aha moment, and that we would start to live life intentionally, that we would start to live life on purpose, that we wouldn't let it pass us by. I've let too much of my life pass by, and so God, I pray that you would continually keep me in your grip because I'm continually trying to run. So turn my face toward you. Hold my eyes open and say, here I am. Here I am. This morning, God, we pray that it would be about you and nothing else. That it would be about you and getting to where we can see you and hear you and taste you and long for you and love you. Because that's where I want to be, God. And if they don't know it, that's where they really want to be, too. And so, God, we pray that you would intervene this morning and that you would show up and show out is what I'm praying in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, and I'm excited about this message because I believe that this message right here, if you can take it into your heart, this will change your life. 
It will change your life and it will change your children's life. Therefore, it will change the world. And I'm not just saying that because it sounds good or whatever. I'm telling you right now, you want to make a difference in this world, listen to what God's word says today, implant it into your life, put it into practice in your life, and watch God move. You watch God move. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4, Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4 should be on the screen. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's a very short verse. Let's read it one more time. I want you to process all of this as we go through. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There are several things in this text that I want to draw out, and the first is pointed toward children, toward youth. So we're going to look at four things, four reasons that children should obey. So kids, if you were just up on this stage... I want you to listen and pay attention because this is important for you. Parents, I want you to pay attention. Guys in the room, I want you to pay attention at what I'm telling the kids because you need to know where you need to be going, where you need to be leading, how you need to be pursuing them, and what you need to be bringing out of them. You see, this is not a disjointed thing that I'm sharing tonight. All of this stuff flows together. I told you we were complementarian. That means that the, the husband has his, his role, the wife has her role, and that we work together to be one. God said, the two shall become one flesh. It is the same principle with the kids. This is not something that they do and something that you do, but we work together submitting to one another, as the Bible says, to achieve where God is wanting us to go. So listen up as I speak to the children. All right, and I don't, you know, children in our, you know, culture, all the guys that were just up here, like, I'm not a child. <laughs> I mean youth, student, okay? If you are below the age of 20, 18, okay? And that you're, if you're still living at home with mom and daddy, I'm going to call you a child, all right? That's, and that goes for you 35-year-olds too, all right? So listen up. The text is very clear. It says, it says, children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. First point is obedience is to God. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. What you need to understand, uh, young people, what you need to understand is that your obedience should not, does not, cannot hinge on how worthy your parents are. Let me say that again. Young people, you do not obey your parents because they deserve your obedience. You obey your parents because God commanded you to do so. You obey your parents because obedience to your parents is obedience to God. You have a Christian obligation to honor your father and mother. We see this the same way when we talked about wives submitting to their husbands. That wives don't submit to their husbands because their husbands are worthy of the submission, but because it is what God has called them to do. 
So submission to the husband is submission to God. Just like submission to your parents and obedience to your parents is obedience to God. You have an obligation to do this. And don't let this pass by and think, well, you know, I, I, why should I obey? They don't obey. Well, if they're children of God, they're called to obey just like you are called to obey them. Listen to this verse. This is 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. It says, as obedient children, this is speaking to the church congregation, so I would say this to you. And let me tell you right now, we'll get into parents, but let me tell you right now, your children are looking at you and they're they are following in your footsteps. And as a matter of fact, metaphorically speaking, and even literally speaking, if you've got small enough kids, they'll be walking behind you and they'll be stepping in your literal footsteps. This is what they're doing metaphorically speaking as well. They're looking at you. They're seeing how you do life. They're looking at how you handle certain situations. They're looking at what your morals are. How far do you go here? How far do you go there? What are you willing to do for self-gain? They're looking at you. And so I would say to you, don't misunderstand. You're a child of God if you have believed in Jesus Christ and been invited into the family. So you have an obligation for obedience as well. Listen to the verse. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. That's a strong word. Don't be dumb, is what the, what the text is literally saying. But, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You notice he started out, he said, as obedient children. We are children of God, and therefore, we are under obligation to obey. And it's going to work out well for you. I'll get to that in just a second. But let's just get to the bare bones, brass knuckles, black and white, obey God. This is not hard. This is not, this is not rocket science. There is a way that you should live, and God has laid it out for you. And what I'm not talking about is behavior modification. I'm not telling you just to change the things you're doing. Okay, lift your right leg. No, I said your right leg. You know, I'm not telling you stop doing that and start doing this. What I'm telling you is get into a relationship with God and let him change your life. Because there's nothing that you can do to get to the place to where you're holy. That is something that comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. What I'm telling you is enter into a relationship with him. Be changed by him. Be renewed by him. And walk in the newness of life. Children, I would say the same thing. Young people, I would say the same thing. If you have a hard time obeying your parents, it's because you have a, you have a distinct separation from your God. If you will not honor your father and mother, then you are not honoring God. This is a personal responsibility to you. And some of you are 10, 11, 12, 13 in the room. And, and your parents, maybe they're saying, Oh, little Johnny, don't be too hard on him. He's just young. My five-year-old knows. My five-year-old knows that obedience is to God. Don't let them off the hook that easy. They know better than that, or they should know better than that. And guys, if you are not honoring your father and mother, you are not honoring the God who made you. It is time for us to start to train our children. And it is time for you young people to start responding to that training. You listening over there in the corner? I'm telling you guys, we need to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's going to be the best thing for you. This is obedience to God. 
Second is, obedience is just right. Obedience is just right. Listen to the text. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That means it's to God, in the Lord. Listen to, to the next line. It says, for this is right. For this is right. I can't spend a whole lot of time here, but I'll tell you right now that we've got it backwards in our culture. What he's saying when he says, in the Lord, for this is right, is that this is the way that God designed it to go. It's for children to submit to their parents and to look at them and to learn from them, to obey them, because they don't know. They have limited life experience. If my five-year-old comes to me and says, Dad, I want to walk across the street to the store, I'll say, no. You don't get it. You don't get it. I've seen a car wreck before. I've seen one car smash into another car and destroy it. So I know a little five-year-old getting hit by a car, it doesn't turn out well. But he's never, he doesn't know. You see, we've got it backwards in our culture. And so many times I see this, and you'll know what I'm saying when I, when I say this. I have seen parents who are obeying their children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the way that God designed it. This is the flow of authority that God has established. And so many times we see it reversed. It's almost as bad, I hope you're not this person, as the guy who follows his dog around with a pooper scooper in a bag. You know, if aliens are looking down at this planet and they're saying, who is the supreme species on this planet? And they see you following your dog around like this, you the pet. Parents, stop letting your children run over you. Stop letting your children, look, Kids, young people, because we're going to get to the parents in a minute. It's not going to go well for you to get things out of order. Listen, I'm telling you right now, young people, if your parents are trying, and they're trying to speak into your life, and they're trying, don't push back against them. It's not right. Your obedience is to the Lord, and obedience is right. This is the right thing to do. Don't get it out of order. It's not going to turn out well for you. And so we have some parents in the room, they're not, they're not trying to obey their kids. They're not trying to get it backwards like this, but they're getting beat down by their kids. They're getting overwhelmed by their kids. And so kids, I'm telling you right now, and I know, I know with as many kids that lined up across this stage, I love you and I want to pour into your life, but I love you enough to tell you that if you are disobeying your parents, if you are giving them a fit, then you are wrong. And that you are disobeying God. And it's not going to be well for you. You say, Preacher, you're being hard. Preacher, you're being hard. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You keep pushing the wrong way like that, it's going to go bad for you. It's going to go bad for you. Obey your parents because that's the right thing. He keeps going. The third is, is that obedience is not a suggestion. Obedience is a command. It is one of the Ten Commandments. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Obedience is not suggested. Obedience is not you know, I'm not asking you to. God's not saying, would you, you think that, you know, if they're, if they're, you know, working on it, you think you could obey? Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. This is a command by God. 
You see, we, we go all the way back and we start to talk about adolescence. And, you know, earlier I said the 35-year-old who still lives with mom and dad. That's really not a joke. That's very prevalent in our society, in our culture. And so what happens is, is that we continually baby our kids and we continually just, just allow them to do whatever they want to do And when they're really young, two years old, three years old, four, five, six. And you think, oh, I'm just, I'm just loving on them. Oh, I don't want to be mean to them. I'm not telling you to be mean to your kids. But if you don't give them control, if you don't give them boundaries, if you don't help, this is, this is what it comes down to. Because all sin comes back to pride. If you do not establish that the world does not revolve around them, it's going to go bad for them. If you do not establish that the world does not revolve around them. Now, granted, I know kids. I've got a, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And so I know that naturally that that child thinks that the world revolves around him. He doesn't have enough life experience to know that it doesn't. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know any better than that. And so I'm not mean to him, and I don't, I don't punish him because he thinks the world is about him, but it is my job to help to get down on his level and say, let me show you. No, let me show you. And so he's grabbing everything inside. He's grabbing everything. This is mine, mine. You know, the first word that both of my kids learned, I think, is mine. I'm not kidding. Babe, wasn't it? Mine, mine. First word. And so what I do, I don't spank him when he says mine. That would be crazy. But I take, I take that back and I say, no, we share. We share. And I help him, I, help, I usher him into an understanding that the world's not about you, son. It's about something bigger than you. And the more he understands, the more I say, look, it's really not about you at all. It's about Jesus. This is his world and he's brought you into it. And see, once you do that, once you foster that understanding that, that it's not about that child, you see, a lot of you need to understand that. A lot of you never were trained that. I have a hard time with that. That's our problem. We keep going back and saying, it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. And when we see Jesus working out to the place of the ideal, we see everybody saying, man, it's not about me. And, me, and needs are met. Obedience is not a suggestion, guys. Obedience is not a suggestion, it's a command. Now third, fourth re I'm sorry, fourth reason that you should obey, young people, is that obedience is beneficial. Obedience is beneficial. So four things, obedience is to the Lord, obedience is right, obedience is a command, and fourthly, obedience is beneficial. Listen here, it says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Listen, bottom line is, practically speaking, logically speaking, this just works, okay? If your parent says, don't, don't buy that car, and you go and buy the car, it's going to be bad for you, those of you who are a little bit older. If your parents say, don't put your hand in that, don't, put your, don't touch that, and you touch it anyway, what's going to happen? It's going to be bad for you. The bottom line is, is that they have more life experience than you. And a lot, of, a lot of young people, they take themselves out of this beneficial standing because they just simply refuse. No, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'll get into the fathers and the mothers here in just a second. And, and some of that 
we've gotten to a place to where now we have to go back and do work and help foster some trust to help show them that our heart has changed. Because I know people personally that have, that, that now the God has changed their life. God has worked in their life. And, and they've got kids who, their kids are having a really hard time, but it's not necessarily all that kid's fault. Granted, they need to start learning. They need to start being trained. They need to start changing the way that they're thinking. But now we're at a place where we can't just throw our hands up we have to start to work back into a relationship and say, listen, I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. And so, kids, what I would say is, young people, what I would say is, is that generally speaking, you need to listen to those adults in your life, to those parents in your life, because they are going to lead you in ways that you don't even know about yet. They're trying to help you. Now, don't just let anyone speak into your life, okay? You need to be... Really careful who you let speak into your life. You need to let your parents in, and you need to let a select few talk to your parents about who else you can let in to speak into your life. Because I'm just not going to let anybody speak into my kid's life. I'm not going to do that, okay? But we need to be looking. Where can we get good advice? Where can, we, where can we look to get wisdom about life that we don't have? I still do this. I have to do this. We have people in the church who... God led here, but I was thankful that they came on board because they've got more life experience than I am. I'm not calling you old brother. I'm just saying that they've got more life experience than I have. And so I can go to them and I can say, have you ever dealt with this before? And a lot of the times they say, yeah, I've dealt with that. How'd you handle it? Well, this is what I did. I wouldn't go that route. Or this is what I did and, and it worked out well for me. I'll pray for you about that. Let me pray for you about that. God is looking to work in your life through people who have more life experience than you. Obedience is beneficial. Now let me talk to the fathers and the mothers for a minute, okay? And I'll have to be kind of brief here because I've got to get to the end part of it because I want to show you something that God would have me to show you. As we look at the text, it has, it has kind of like a, an odd turn here. It seemed odd to me at first. It's talking about just as children obey your parents, and it goes through that. And then all of a sudden in verse 4 it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Why all of a sudden this seemingly right-hand turn to be saying something else? Fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. And I'll tell you, when, when I started to study this, when I looked at this, and I listened, and I read, and I, and I thought about and meditated on, where I came to is this, is that anger is one of the most if not the most overwhelming and strong emotions that you could possibly have. Anger will absolutely drown out all other emotions. And I think that you can um, sit with that if I just give you a couple of examples. Um, I love my wife. I love my kids. You know, I, I, I there are several people in my life that I, I love, and I have a, a really strong love for them. But especially with my kids, when, when I've had a bad day and I've been, and I've been angry and, I, and I'm frustrated and they do something that, that's not right and it might be legitimately they need discipline or they need something else, if I turn and react in anger, if I let anger overwhelm me, if I am provoked to anger, then I react in a way that I do not need to react. And that anger, as a matter of fact, it overwhelms all my other emotions. So I am dedicated to my kids. I'm dedicated to my wife. I'll die for them. I love them. I'm committed to them, I have compassion with them, and all of these things are true. But when anger rushes in, 
All of those things get kicked to the side, and now it's just anger. And so I've done this before, and if you say that you haven't, you're either lying or perfect. Are there any perfect? Only one. So you're lying. So I, out of anger, I have approached my, my son, and I've, and I've disciplined him out of anger. And I've spanked him out of anger. Okay? Now, I was wrong. But that anger completely overwhelmed my other emotions, my other dedications to him. And when I finally calmed down, and I would recommend that you do the same thing, when I finally calmed down and got back and took a look at the situation, I was devastated. I was devastated. And I had to go, and I had to suck up my pride, and I had to go back to my son, and I had to say, son, I'm sorry. You should have been disciplined, but daddy did not do that in the right way. I'm so sorry. Um, will you forgive me? And you know, the, the instance where I was angry and I disciplined out of anger, it was terrible. It was terrible. It, it broke my heart. I mean, I didn't beat him, you know, but even my emotion. I might not have actually spanked him any harder, but my emotion, you know, he could tell with the look on my face. If you ever approach your kid to discipline them, even if you discipline them with the same severity or whatever, and they can look in your face, if your child ever does like this, if they're afraid of you when you discipline, you probably need to rethink that. And I'm not saying, you know, you know no kid's like, okay. <laughs> you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying when they're afraid of you, you know, we need to think about that again. And so, but, but now, while the initial thing was, was bad, it was bad. I, I, it broke my heart, broke his heart. You know, he was like, what's wrong? That is crazy. But when I went back, and God allowed me to see my sin, to repent, and to go back and to uh, ask forgiveness. And you know what happened? Even though I had just wore that tail out, he said, Daddy, it's okay. And he climbed up in my lap, and he wrapped his arms around me, and he hugged me, and he kissed me. And our relationship, it was better. Because he saw Daddy's human being. Daddy's not, Daddy, you know, he's human. Now, I'll tell you one thing. If I would have went to my son and, I, and, and out of my anger provoked him to anger, then his emotions are overwhelmed and he's rejecting me then and I will not repent, I will not go back in love and try to make amends with that. It's going to put a separation. Now, I don't have a lot of time right here, but I want to tell you, I think the main reason that this text all of a sudden takes a seeming right-hand turn and says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, is this, is that sin separates. Sin separates. From the Garden of Eden, we see it. When sin comes in, people are pushed out. So sin came into the Garden, God said, get out. Sin came into your life, life went out. You are separated. Sin causes separation. And anger will facilitate a lot of sin. And so what's going to happen is if you provoke your children to anger, there's going to be this separation between you two, and it will get harder and harder and harder and harder until you go back and allow God to break down those things to bring you back together. If you provoke your children to anger, this is coming from a place of your own personal sin because you have started to become separated from God, and because you have, you've got this anger in you now. And you lead these kids, you, you turn your back on them, you speak harshly to them, you, you, you belittle them and make their problems seem like nothing. And how many of us can relate to that? We get our own lives and focus pridefully on our own lives, and our kids are coming to us looking for help and looking for understanding, looking for advice like they're supposed to be doing, and we say, not now. 
not now. Oh, what's the big deal with that? Yeah, what are you doing? Go. And we belittle them and we make them feel like nothing. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Get down on their level. Speak to them. Draw them into you. Don't provoke them to anger. Bring them into love. The next verse, is, it, it, it banks off of that and says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction. And the actual literal word there for bring them up actually means nourish them. It's the same word that, that goes back to, that says um, in chapter 5, I think it's verse 29, when it's talking about husbands and wives, it says, um, husbands, love your wives and nourish her like you would your own body. So this is a nourishment. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but nourish them with discipline and instruction. You see, you are nourished, we get this idea of, and it's right, that we, that we spoon feed. You nourish a baby. You nourish. You, you help them along. You love them and you nurture them. You, you get down on their level and you love them. And this is what God is saying for us to do. And so many of us, we just... We just live in life. We're not taking the time to slow down and nourish our children. You understand. You understand that we, we, it's not our responsibility to feed them physical food alone. Parents, if you don't hear nothing else I say today, if you don't hear nothing else I say today, please listen right now. It is your responsibility to nourish their spiritual being as well. It is your responsibility to feed them and to help them along. And just like you help them up to help them walk physically, you feed them and nurture them spiritually, and you help them up and you help them to walk spiritually. Read the Bible to them. Pray to them. Give them good advice. Help them through their problems. And don't just, don't just behavior change, but get to the heart of the situation. It says nourish them in discipline and instruction. So you need to discipline them. And we've already talked about this a little bit, so I won't go through a whole lot. The two means of nourishment in this text are discipline and instruction. Discipline and instruction. Briefly, I'll talk to you about discipline. Discipline in the Bible is not punishment. Discipline in the Bible is not punishment. I wish we had more time to go into this because we have a hard time understanding what discipline is. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 12 says that God chastens or disciplines those whom he loves. So discipline is not punishment. You see, Jesus Christ received the punishment of God on the cross. That was punishment. Sin gets punished. Children get disciplined. You know the difference? Like when my son sins, then I, I, don't, I don't punish him. I don't make him, I don't, I, when I'm disciplining my son, I'm not making him pay for his sins. You've got to understand there's a difference. I am not beating the sin out of him. I'm not spanking him or setting him in time out or, or I'm not taking something away from him to punish him because he's a sinner. I'm doing what I'm doing, whether it be time out or whether it be a spanking. And spankings are very rare, but they do need to happen from time to time if the, if the sin or the, the behavior is, is worthy of that. But you can usually handle it with some time out or taking away. Or once you've established this trust and this disciplinary, I can usually handle it with a conversation or a look. You know? I'm here right now. What'd I do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got those? He could be in the other room. I'm like, tight us bone! Yes, Daddy. <laughs> 
You don't have, I mean, you know, forms of discipline, that's not what I'm here to talk about today. I'm, t I'm here to talk about your heart. Where's your heart when you discipline? You've got to understand that sin has been punished through Jesus on the cross. We discipline now to lead them out of that sin and to help correct and to help mold and shape their hearts. Because the second one is, so the discipline is not, it's not punishment. We're not punishing the sin, but we're disciplining the child to help them away from that sin. That's very, very, very important. You've got to take that into consideration. Number four is that he instructs them. The second form of nourishment is instructing them. And, and the literal word is admonish. And when you look this up, it's, it's this word instruct them, it actually means to pour into their heart, to help them in their beliefs. This is not just... Okay, Philip, let's sit down. I'm going to instruct you on how to cut down a tree. You know what I'm saying? I can instruct that. That's one form of instruction. But what this is actually meaning, it's deeper than that. It's, it's admonishing. It's, it's pouring into so that they can walk out of. Okay? So we have two forms of nourishing. It is the discipline, and that is the uh, act of helping them to know what sin is so they don't sin anymore. And then instruction is that you would pour life into them so that they would know the right way to go. Does that make sense? I'll simplify it even more. Disciplining, disciplining them is to help them to see the wrong and not to go the wrong way. Instruction is loving them and helping them to see the right way. Does this make sense? This is your responsibility. And a lot of the, look, we got youth in the room. And a lot of them are lost as a ball in high weeds. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. They don't know what life's about. They don't know anything. And it's because of us. This might not be the most popular sermon I've ever preached, but it's necessary. And maybe you're trying. Maybe we need to come together. Maybe you have no idea how to parent. Maybe you have no idea how to discipline. Maybe you've been parenting for 15 years and you still don't know. Maybe we need to come together. Here in the church, together out there, in the bucket groups, in the youth groups tonight. We have a youth group meeting tonight, a big C tour. Everybody's coming. Will you be there? Will you show your kids it's important? Want to come get involved? You might have to watch the game or the race or whatever. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, check your heart. Your children need you. They need you to stop doing those things if necessary and to start doing them, to discipline them. Do show them the wrong way and where not to go. But you've got to show them the right way. Do you know the right way? Do you know the right way? We've got to pour into our kids so they know the way to go. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, Brandon, I wish I knew the right way. I wish I knew myself, man. I'm, try I'm trying to make it through life on my own. You know, and I got these kids, and I do want to show them. I, I want to. I want to be that dad you're talking about. I want to be that mom you're talking about. But I don't even know how to. I didn't have that. What do I do? What do I do? Which leads us to the last section. Because I want to show you that you've got a friend. <laughs> you've got a friend that is. He's, he's more than willing to pour into you. He's more than willing to show you. As a matter of fact, he has shown you. You see, as I, as I speak to the young people in the room, and as, I, and as I admonish them, and I try to pour into them to say obedience is right, 
Obedience is to God. Obedience is beneficial. It's a command. Do this because it will go well with you. As I pour into them and as I tell the fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger, but nourish them in discipline and instruction. We then look and say, but how do we do that? How do we do it? I don't know what to do. And what we must do, what we have to do, is be changed by Jesus. And we need to look to Jesus to see how he done it. Because in the Bible, God, Jesus Christ, has never commanded you. He has never encouraged you. He has never led you to a place that he hasn't gone to in perfection before you so that you would know where to go. Last week we talked about husbands and wives, and I told you that the husband is the leader of the family like Jesus is the leader of the church. And what we meant by that is that Jesus Christ goes into life beforehand, and life is like a jungle. There are all kind of things that can, that can tear you apart and, and attack you, and you can get tangled up in them. But Jesus is the pioneer of the faith, Hebrews says. And then what that means is he goes through. He's the first one to go through, and he takes care of all those things in life. And as we see Jesus as the Son of God, we see Jesus doing what he's calling you young people to do. You listening back there? He's calling you to obedience. He's calling you to a place of fulfillment. And what God has done is he came down out of heaven and he became a man. And he became a child. And he became a baby. And the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and stature, and he started to learn, and he started to grow, and he heard from his father, and he listened to his father, and his father says, son, you're not going to like what I'm telling you, but I need you to trust me. Son, you're not going to like where I'm asking you to go, but believe me, it's for your own glory. It's for your own benefit. It's for your own good and the good of your neighbors and the good of your brothers and the good of your sisters, but it's going to be a tough road. Do you trust me? And Jesus said, I trust you, God. And he continually told people, he said, listen, I didn't come to do my own will, but the will of my Father, I'm obedient to him because I find my fulfillment in him. Children, I'm trying to tell you that if you'll look to Jesus and if you'll obey Jesus and if you'll walk in him, it'll go well with you. You see, Jesus Christ was the one who went to the cross. He went to the cross. And the Bible says, in, in the book of Acts, it says that God was the one who led him to the cross. Fathers, you think your job is tough? He led his son to the cross. Two weeks ago now, I was sitting at my desk after, after the service. And we're getting ready to go to Moonshine Mountain to do this, the tubing. And I'm just doing some last, I was actually doing a Facebook post or something. And the boys are getting ready and we're about to go. And I look over and my two-year-old, we've got a staircase that goes up like this and up into the second floor. And it's an old house and there was a gap in between the bottom rails. And he crawled, I don't know what he was doing, but he, somehow he crawled out. And I watched him fall, seven feet, end over end. There was nothing I could do. I was sitting, and he was falling. There was nothing that I could do. I didn't plan that for him. And my heart sank. I ran out of my shoes to get to him. And God the Father 
led his boy up Calvary, carried his own cross, and he led, he led him up the hill to the cross. And Jesus, if you think he just did it because he was God, Jesus was sweating bullets of blood and saying, Daddy, if there's another way, if there's another way, I'll do another way. But if not, I'll go your way. And some of you young people, you won't even do what your parents tell you, and it's nothing like that. And Jesus said, I'll go, Daddy, I'll go. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll go. God the Father says, my boy, you got to go. I'm sorry, son, but you got to go. And as Abraham led Isaac up the mountain, and Isaac said, Daddy, I see the wood, and we've got the fire, and I see the knife. But I don't see the sacrifice. God says, I'll provide. God, Abraham told him, said, God will provide, son. God will provide, son. When they got to the top of the hill, Abraham had the knife up. And he was about to take the life of his own son. And Jesus, in the Old Testament, says, wait. Don't hurt the boy. And there was a ram in the thicket that took the place of his son. But ultimately, ultimately, the one that took the place marched up a hill too. It was not Abraham's son, it was God's son. And he led him up the hill. And you got to know that God has emotions. And you got to think that God was crying. Jesus wept and he is God. And God is watching his son climb the hill with the cross on his back. And he had been beaten beyond recognition, beyond human recognition is what the Bible says. And so he watched his boy. And not only did he watch his little boy go up the hill, but he was the one at the top of the hill crying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. I know it's hard, but you can do it. And he marched up that hill, blood and all. And he marched up the hill, and he continued up the hill. And as the soldiers lay him down to, to make sure that he couldn't get off the cross, and he's bloody and messy, and they stood him up, it was God the one who gave him the power to stand up that cross. It was him. I didn't plan for that for Ezekiel. would have stopped it. I would have fell off of it myself. I would have fell off the top of the house if I could have myself. But God led his son to the cross. And it was God who held him to the cross. If you think that you've ever done anything that tough, you're dead wrong. God is saying, lead your children even when it's tough. Lead your children even when it's tough. And as God goes up onto the cross, and he's beaten, battered, and bloody, and his mom, his mommy, I just, you got to see the picture. Because this is more than just children obey and fathers don't provoke. This is life-changing stuff. Mommies in the room, picture your kids. And I want you to know that the Bible says that Jesus' mom was at the foot of the cross looking up at him. And there was nothing that she could do. And it was his dad that had led him there for you. And Jesus, beaten and battered, looks at his good friend John, his brother. He says, John... This is my mom. She's now your mom. Take care of her. Take care of my mom. And everybody thinks that the cross was the hardest part. He was asked to obey. 
when it didn't hardly make sense. He was asked to obey when it was so hard, so hard. And we've all said that's disciplined our kids, or we've all thought this hurts me more than it hurts you. I want you to think of that on an eternal scale. As God poured out his wrath on his boy, and he brought blood to the surface for the greater good of him and mankind. And his little boy looked up to him and said, My God, my God, why have you left me? Why did you leave me? And the Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 8. It says, God has not led us to a spirit of slavery that leads to fear again, but he has given us, he has given us a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father, and Abba means Daddy, Papa. Papa, why have you left me? It's a hurting. I'm a hurting. God had to turn his back on his own boy. He turned his back on him. That was the worst of the cross, not the beating, not the blood, not the crown of thorns, not the nails. It was him crying out to daddy, and daddy would not answer. I remember I told that story to my son one night. My son just breaks down into tears. They said, why, is, why, does daddy, why does daddy leave him? Why does daddy leave him? And he's pouring tears. He's crying. Because daddy left him. That's a hard one to explain. Because daddy left him. daddy left him so you wouldn't have to leave yours he was obedient even unto death so that you could have yours until you are changed by the God of the universe who showed you how to be a perfect son who showed you how to be a perfect daddy there's no hope for us we do not need external behavioral changes. We need a heart that is ravaged by God. A heart that sees what Jesus did as he trudged up the mountain to be hung on a cross and to not come down. And for God to put him on the cross, even as his boy cried, Daddy, Daddy, and he could not answer. As we all stand to our feet, as the band continues to play like this, I've got a real question for you today. Do you know what that means? Do you know Daddy? Do you know my Papa? Because he's got a plan for you. He's got, he's got eternity eternity planned for you and he, would he be calling to you today and we've done lots of different invitations today I'm asking you young people do you know the heavenly father do you know that that was for you do you know that when God did not answer his boy it was so that he could answer you do you know he cried out to daddy he cried out to papa but he would not answer him 
so that when you cry out to Papa, He will answer. He will answer you because He didn't answer Him. Do you know Him today? Are you capable of leading your children? Do you have the power of God that is showing you the way? Have you walked away? Please don't walk away anymore. He's calling out to you. See, Jesus called out to him and he wouldn't answer. But now he's calling out to you. Will you answer? Will you answer? I need for you to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Will you answer today? Our care team will be here. Very serious. If you need salvation, if you're not born into the family, if you don't know Papa, or if you've walked away and you need to come back, please come. No show. I love you. Don't miss today. Today is the day of salvation. Don't hold on to that chair. Don't care about what that person beside you thinks. I don't care. Walk with them. Walk with them. Answer his call. Answer his call, please. Is there anyone that would come? I'll be down here. I'm waiting on you. Press in to Papa. Let's be great mommies and daddies. Let's be children of God. Every eye is closed. This is a time that God is working with you. And um, it's between you and him. It's a decision that can't be made by your parents. And parents, it's a decision that can't be made by your child. This is a decision that everybody has to make on their own. And it's a decision, as scary as it may seem, to step out in faith. It's one that there's such freedom in. Freedom to leave this sick world behind and become a new creation, one that God intended you to be. So I don't want to stop the invitation where we're at, because I know, I know there's people out here that do not know them. And I know we always think there's always next Sunday, there's always tomorrow, there's always tonight. No, there's not. God doesn't guarantee us anything. The only thing he guarantees us is how he loves us and that he will save us if we come in and we ask for it. That he'll come into our heart when we ask him to because that's what he wants. So right now with every eye closed, if you want to come down the front, just get on your hands and knees and pray. Maybe you're already saved. Maybe you just come in here and there's just something that's weighing you down that you want to let go of. This is an altar. You can come down here with no one looking and get on your knees and you can leave it here and walk out of here without that weight on you. Or maybe you don't know. You don't know this God. 
every eye is closed, no one sees you. Brandon's down here at the front. Just walk up to him. Let him pray with you. Let him tell you how to get to this God that loves us so much. different problems, different backgrounds. I know for some people, it is maybe didn't have a father. Maybe you grew up as an orphan. God loves the orphan. You had a father all along. Maybe you come in here and you've struggled with some form of addiction and you feel worthless. You're not worthless. God wants to break that addiction. And maybe you come in here and you just really don't know what you feel. You just don't feel worthy. You're not worthy. But that's okay. He says, come to me as you are. He knows you anyway. We don't hide anything from him. any family problems we may have, husbands and wives, we're not hiding it. Maybe we hide it from our kids, but we're not hiding it from the one who counts. He knows. Kids, any struggles you have that mom and dad don't know about, he knows. But the awesome thing is you don't have to stay this way. You don't have to stay an orphan. You don't have to stay an addict. You don't have to stay lonely and worthless. That is not what God intended. If you're scared to step out, that's okay. But just as an act of faith, no one's looking at you. Everybody's eyes are closed. Raise your hands to the Father, God, who serves you. He's here to love on you. Cry to him. Ask him for help. Because that's what he wants. He wants to help you. 